So hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Um, this week's guest, we've got the incredible privilege of speaking to James Allen from Las Vegas. Now, I don't think James or Las Vegas need much of an introduction when it comes to Scotland, Glasgow or the UK, but what an incredible chat we got with James. I mean, sat for him a couple hours and what a amazing and down-to-earth individual he is for somebody that's had an incredible amount of success in his career. We covered a lot, I mean, growing up in East End, professional football, the differences between then and now as far as like the psychological aspect of the football dressing room, what it was like being in the dressing room with some people that felt threatened by a 16-year-old. Then we moved into the music career, which obviously is what James is probably best known for. Spoke about forming the band, how he got into music, early success, and I think like some really incredible stories about some really famous people, including Noel Gallagher, Bono, Alan McGee, and what a laugh we had. I mean, we had some serious chat in there, but he's just such a nice guy and I couldn't have asked for a better guest and I think me and Matt really really enjoyed this podcast um, so I hope that you guys all enjoy it Glass Vegas have got a new album coming out dropping in 2021 but they've just released a single um, called Keep Me A Space and recommend that everybody go and listen to the new single but also go back and listen to the back catalogue I mean the self-titled debut album is just Honestly, a timeless piece of indie music. Um, listening to it over the last couple of days a few times, it's as fresh as the day that I first heard it. And songs like Daddy's Gone, Geraldine, Football Talks and Flowers, I mean, it's hard-hitting stuff. Lyrically, we are backdrop of some absolutely amazing guitar music. So, again, like a huge thanks to James. What an incredible conversation we had. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. So hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Uh, this week's guest, we've got a bit of a Glaswegian legend. It's uh, James Allen from Las Vegas. How's it going, James? Yeah. Seeing your wee yeah. smile there when I said you're a Glaswegian legend, mate. Oh, just destroying my phone. I know. But, I know. You know, you absolutely are, mate. I don't. I mean, I don't know. You're a bit of a, a mythical character when it comes to the Glasgow music scene. I don't know if I've seen many interviews like this. Well, I think that's the interview, mate. We're not on it. You know what I mean? When they see me sitting in my cherry head, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I might ruin some of the mysticism, man. I've worked so hard the years to build up, and I might just ruin it all here. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the, the chance we take every week. You know what I mean? <laughs> just ruining it. <laughs> Aye, absolutely. It's really something, that cherry head, man. That bar's cherry head. It's... Mm. Sugar high, mate. Sugar high. So Aye. you you grew up in Dolmarnock in the eighties and nineties, buddy. Um, when I was having a think about sort of Dolmarnock, I was I, I sort of came to the conclusion that I don't know why it doesn't have such a reputation. Like we always hear about Easterhus, Shuttleson. These are always like when people talk about the sort of the bits of Glasgow that were notorious for sort of gang culture in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. They always talk about these areas, but people don't talk about Dolmarnock. But when I was, I mean, I'm 36, 
I wouldn't have went near Baltic when I was a wee guy. Wouldn't have been near it. I grew up in Camping. Camping, mate. And uh, Matt grew up in Rudry. Aye, Rudry. Rudry. I mean, they've all got characters, but I'm sure, like Rudry and all that, I had a few, you know what I mean? Aye, definitely. Characters, but I know, I know what you mean. It's, um, isn't it somewhat? It's like to, uh, to people that don't really know a lot about Glasgow. They probably wouldn't maybe know Dumarnock or have heard of it, you know. They maybe here to stay away from that area or that area, but maybe Dumarnock's no, I don't know, I don't know why. For some reason, I had it in my head that Dilmarnock was just ex- just entirely warehouses. Like for some reason, like, I didn't actually, you know, until recent years realise, especially with the regeneration run about that area, that you know folk had always lived there. Because any time I'd went doing that neck of the woods, it was to go into you know a makeshift recording studio with you guys and sit in the back of a room while somebody fixed a motor in the other side of the warehouse. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, it's changed a lot now, but hasn't it? I think it has. It's, it's changed a bit. Um... Aye, all that, what is that, the, the, the Commonwealth thing? You know yeah, the, the Athletes Village and stuff that took the place of like, the tenements and uh, done that way. It's It must be like a time walk for people. Like, it must be so strange. But what was your experiences like growing up in Dilmarnock? Like, was, did you have like a sort of a good childhood when you were there or was it like a wee bit rougher? I, I'd, I mean, I guess you're just... I was just quite an excitable wee guy, I think, and I just, um, I loved just basically going out and be a football and had like a, and I grew up in 62 Lily Street, so it was like I had a wee bit that I could kick the ball against, like, you know, through a wee, like, space in the fence or that side of the road, and then when the ball would come back, and then I would go out the other side, and I could be just quite happy being out there all day and all night, and then uh, just... I was just like a weird kind of dreamer, you know what I mean? Just like, mm-hmm. just my heads were in the clouds and all that, and just like, I was always like that. But um, I just, you know, maybe had anything, everybody was just it was quite poverty, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But you don't really know anything, you're just, you think that everything's great and everything's amazing. And um, Celtic Park was just up the road, that, and that was, so that was basically like you had. It was like some magical, like fantasy, like building that was five minutes up the road. Yep. So you felt quite like you didn't feel cool. You felt like rich because you had that next to you. That's how that you would value it on that. And um, ah, yeah, just, you know what I mean. But it's be things like things that you remember that is just quite mad. You don't think it's mad at the time, but maybe as you get a bit older, then you realise it's a wee bit weird and like things like. I was kicking the ball one day and it was like Katie, my next door neighbour. Um, I kicked the ball and I seen it in slow motion going towards the window. And it was just like. <laughs> it was like a glass of slow motion off London. And I was just like. <clears throat> and a guy looked at his window, saw me, and I was like. <clears throat> and I ran into the house and I was like, Ma! Ma! And my sister and my mum were sitting there, I was like, man, somebody smashed Katie's windy. And my mum was like, <laughs> who is it? And I was just like, me? So I, I, didn't, I couldn't think of my feet quick enough to make up somebody else's name. So, um, but then Katie had a black bag on her windy for like about over a year. You know what I mean? Right. Aye, that's it. Like, only... For a year I'd walk past this black bag and I'd just be like, sure, no. Just uh, shaming you. 
I, but I, 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 you don't hang about that much at the time. But the, mm-hmm. you, get older, you kind of realise how cool everybody is, kind of thing. You know, like, aye, like, absolutely. For that long, you know what I mean. Aye, just the way that you told that story as well about a ball smashing a window, you can see why your lyrics are so good. Like everything was all sort of visual, like everything happening in slow motion. So, <laughs> no, are you sure you're no stutter anymore? I'm describing it like that. I feel. Probably still the memory. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, aye, but it was. It was. Uh, it, it's like that. It's like that kind of thing. You maybe see some things where it's like some tragedy or humour or some scary stuff but that's quite funny but it shouldn't be funny you know what I mean if it was like you know what I mean like just bizarre stuff bizarre stuff you know what I mean and like Mm. being at school doing at some mongos and all that and it I never knew I mean for the age I say 12 I mean when you're 12 years old and your pal's got a sword in his trousers and he takes it and and he knows that like it's that day. So he takes a sword and you're standing next to him, you hear him hitting a, another person with a sword in the heat, makes a noise, a certain kind of noise. But you mm-hmm. don't think that is gonna stick with you or that's gonna but as I said, when you get older then you kinda you, you realise that that isn't really that's no that's no just Aye. regular living. Shouldn't it's not be. a normal thing. It's Aye, it shouldn't be. It was just like Oh, that was a funny noise. I didn't expect it to make that noise. But I didn't think any of these things affect you. But but the problem with it, you know what I mean? Aye, absolutely. I mean we've we've had multiple people on talking about that now they're talking about like adverse childhood experiences and I think like absolutely seeing hyper violence like that. And that's something that both me and Matt experienced in our teenage years, childhood and teenage years, is people like the normalisation of stuff that when you grow up, maybe go to uni or you meet people and you tell them these stories, they're like, are you fucking kidding me on? Like, like you're like, no, it's just totally normal for us to run about the scheme and, you know what I mean, people getting stabbed, even though it, it, it seems wild, like you're saying, when you're that age, you just, it's just part of sort of your daily life, isn't it? It is, it's normal. Um, as my, my fiancé is uh, uh, like a wee town in Sweden, and um, sometimes like, I've got some bits and bobs and I, I don't think she's as surprised now but I think at the beginning she was probably <laughs> like Aye, that's different you know what I mean Aye. and I think sometimes when you're when you're telling somebody outside uh, a place that you're fair then I think that then you can realise as you're telling them and you see that as you're saying it out loud and they're listening then you do realise as well you know mm-hmm. uh, Aye. Because she has reaction or whatever, then you can tell all that is going to be the most normal thing then. Um, Definitely. Uh, so, I think as well, I, I get it a lot with like foreign family, where they, you know, you catch up with people that you see every couple of years, they live in Canada and wherever else, and they give you, you know, tell us stories about, you know, Scotland, or tell us about, you know, and then you go into it with them and, you know, they're looking for this being nostalgic thing and you've actually like ended up accidentally horrifying them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know. It's funny see, some of the things you remember as a kid, but some of the things that you remember, it's like Katie's Wendy and all that. It's like, aye, it's bizarre. Aye. So see, obviously, you're, you're talking about football for a young age. Um, was the music something that was present in your younger days or was it were you just all about the football back then? I 
I just I hated music. Hated music, and I hated the idea of playing any instrument as well. Um, really? I thought I'd, I'd not. I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I, I'm just quite out of touch with how I feel. I, I'm quite emotionally slow. You know what I mean? So I could uh, I could feel depressed, but I could feel the feeling of feeling depressed, but I wouldn't know about it for like ten years. You know what I mean? So I could have loved music, but I wouldn't know about it for like ten years. You know, and I think it's one of right. the things when I was younger, it was just like my sister would uh, uh, play music in the house and stuff like that. And then I just thought I didn't like music. But went to Butlins when I was younger and um, we were like, in like a wee disco thing for kids or whatever, right? And I remember my uncle's man, he's not, well, it was like kind of getting dark inside. And I remember they were leaving. And there was a song that came on, and, um, and I knew that it got to a point in the song where the chord moved in a certain way. Um, so they all walked out, and then I walked back into the place again myself. And I walked into this place, but I don't dance with it, no, I don't ever dance. I get a nosebleed when I get near a dance floor, but when I walked in, and I just, just, just to hear this chord again, when it moved from this chord to that chord, and I remember like everybody shouting at me. Um, I get in trouble because I left everybody and went back into this to hear this. And uh, but I still thought I hated music. You know what I mean? So I'm quite out of touch with things that I liked or things that I didn't like. You know what I mean? Was um, there any music in the family? Because that type of ear that you're talking about, like, well, that's the. T- I mean, I played in bands for ten, eleven years and. That's the type of ear that everybody that I've met that can play a musical instrument properly or even just like has that sort of create, creative spark for music, they always talk about that thing where they're like, for an early age, I had something like that where I, I would be like, oh, I really like this bit here. And I would mm-hmm. say to my mates, listen to this wee bit here. And they would be like, what are you talking about? I can't even hear what you're talking about. And, and it's something as subtle as the change of chord. And uh, it, so was there like music in your family before that maybe came through, like to, to give you that sort of thing? No, that, no, that I know, you know, really, no. Um, you know, some people have told me, ah, your granddad played the harmonica for five minutes, you must get it to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, and, uh, so it's like, uh, but I, I think, I mean, I remember, I think a part of it was just, uh, I was quite embarrassed as well. I was embarrassed to admit that I liked music. I was embarrassed. I remember with, with my mum, my stepdad, we went to uh, Asda one day. And um, Asda's quite big, so you can kind of like lose them and then go to the music bit. And I went to the music bit and I bought a tape, cassette tape, and I had to like put it in my pocket and hide it for them. Um, so I didn't want them to know that I'd bought a music tape. I don't know why I've done that, it's stupid. But, um, and then when I get home, I'd put headphones in and I'd listen to this Bruce Springsteen song. And I must have uh, rewound and played this same wee tiny bit in the song. But I don't know, 50, 100, I don't know, half times. And, and I'd be pure lost in this thing. But I just thought everybody done that. Everybody was like, weird like me, or I thought everybody was just the same. And even when I was like, learning the guitar. It was really just um, by accident how I started playing it, but when I had to say to my mum and my sister that I, played, uh, that I was playing guitar, 
then I was pure like, oh, you need to sit down for a minute. I've got something to tell you. <laughs> I'm coming out as a guitarist. <laughs> I, and, I, and I remember this being absolute, my, my stomach just felt like it was upside down at the time and I was going to tell them. You know, uh, like, it was, it was probably, it was worse telling my mother, you know what I mean? I, I was starting to play guitar. It was probably worse than, you know what I mean? Probably worse than getting to jail or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> what age were you at when you started playing? Uh, I was about, I must have been about 17 or something. Right. Right. So quite, that's uh, quite late, because normally you get the whole sort of Paul McCartney I've been playing since I could remember or... Like, that's what I, I know. That's what I mean. But I'm just, I'm always. It takes me like a couple of decades to realise if if I quite like something. Aye, <laughs> right, aye. Right. So where did the football uh, career start? Like, where was your like your your youth career in football? Like, where did you get your um? Was there like what? Obviously, like I know that sort of thing that you're talking about. You just go and kick the ball about the street, and I think like that's probably like a lost start nowadays. Where you no know, ball games anywhere and stuff. But um, what was the first team that you played for? Um, first team I played for was Falkirk. Um, I think I was like 15 at the time and I played a game for the, the boys club I was playing for and uh, I must have been a scout at the game, signed me, signed another boy. Um, we went to like this thing called the Milk Cup. Uh, it's like uh, all the teams in Europe and all that go to the island for like a few days or whatever on um, Saturday mm-hmm. in the time. And um, it was, I think it was Falkirk, Man United, uh, Broadway, a couple of teams that was in the, the group. And they were like a year older. So it must have been under 16s, I was 15 at the time. But then when I came back for that, it must have been, let's say, a, a year later. Um, Alec Totten had signed for Falkirk, uh, became the manager that, that day. And then I was coming in at Christmas time. I was at school at the time, but then I was coming in at Christmas just uh, like full time. And um, I played a game that night and um, scored a couple of goals and he, he just asked the to sign leave school and sign full-time. Um, so that's how that really happened. And then I must have played for, I think I stopped playing, I was maybe about 25 or something. I kind of retired, but I got asked not to come back, but I kind of say I retired. That was them that told me this. Please don't come back, James. Please don't come back. Right. You know what, I mean? what was what uh, was the what was the dressing rooms like back then? Like in the fucking Falkirk and stuff. I mean, if you're a sixteen year old boy, like surely like the dressing rooms are wild. I I mean, I they were just just like cavemen. You know what I mean? I was quite a I don't know. I didn't like standing out in the cold. We like a pure wet. Pure blood, crap, thing when I had that one. Uh, but it was like, when you get in there, it's like you need to kind of become a man quite quick because you're like 16. And these guys, I get into the first team at Falkirk, like, I, I left school um, when I was, uh, say, like, I think I was like 16, 17. And I get into the first team within like, Two days or something, I've been with the team. So I left school, I went in, and it just so happened that I was in this game and I played well in training, and that. And then the managers put us in the first team. And I don't, and then so you've got these guys here, and then you've got a bunch of other guys that are on the plane. 
you know, they're trying to get in the first team. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then when you walk into school, then it's just, you don't realise, you don't know this at the time, but the guys are just like, fuck him, man. You know what I mean? He's just turning <laughs> up and the guys always turn up to school. Because they're all grafting for the sport as well, aren't they? He's trying to make me in training, fuck him. Don't he fucking do him. And, uh, and it was quite like that. You just need to, you don't have a clue what's going on, man. But it does, it does make you, um, it is quite cruel, you know what I mean? Some of the ways that guys love each other, I was always quite surprised and I always felt quite sorry for some people because I had a temper, like I had a bit of rage in me, but I was never, I, I was quite a soft kind of like, like, I would always feel just sorry for people or like, kinda, like that kind of thing. But, but I used to just, I mean, every day I'd be swinging punches at guys that were like twice my age and all that. Like, and then the manager would just be like, James, He's your bad. So she's going back here and train with young boys kind of thing. I, was, mm. I fucking hate that. You know what I mean? Um, that, and that was, that's probably you know, the way it is in every club. You know what I mean? You probably hear a young guys that, that this would fight back with, with other people and then the manager would be like, oh, we respect that because like he's way there. It was like, it was kind of like treating a lot of kind of like mediocre players like better than what they were. You know what I mean? Like the first team guys. Whereas mm-hmm. they shouldn't have probably had that much, that much respect, you know what I mean? They'd have probably been a better team for it, but um, but I, that's kind of the way it was. So it was kind of, all the young boys were just, just, I don't know, just, it's quite hard for them, man. You know what I mean? Hey man, do you think that you would have preferved it the way it is now where a hell of a lot of like, psychologies come into how uh, they try and bring but, people uh, through? And, I don't like to say that about myself because I would like, like to think of myself as being a little tough not, but nah, I think I would have. I, I, I mean, I was, I say like, um, when was that? Maybe a wee while ago, maybe a year ago or so for that. And, um, and I just went to the game to watch, you know, that, but they must have found out that I was at the game, so they asked me to do this raffle hang it off time. The Paradise One Fold, Romy, that's, that's <laughs> one of my goals like, in life. I want to get Is this it? podcast big enough so I can do the Paradise one. <laughs> no, really, no, but it's fucking no, class. Like, I just want to know if it's rigged. We need to know if it's rigged. Is it real? It's real. The thing is, right. so I was sitting cool. sitting my coffee crisp in a hangover, right? I was sitting in my can iron brew that I took into the game. And the security came out, and he was like, ah, you can't, I need to take that off you. So I was in the wee kind of family bit, right? So they all turned around and looked at me, and I, and I was just like, give the guy the can iron brew, right? Then they phoned somebody who was next to me and said, can James do the raffle off time to somewhere, right? And I was like, aye, all right, cool. And this same security guard came back and he was like, can you come with me? Uh, and everybody thought, what's he done? What's he done? He's getting flung out for something. He's jumped out for a can of iron They seen me walking around the pitch to do the raffle and they're all like, it's a guy, it's a can of iron brew took off him five minutes ago. But when I went out, I was talking to the guy and I was just like, what, what did I do here? Like, I, I just got asked to do this three minutes ago, what if I, I did it? And Las Vegas is blasting all the speakers, man. I was like, oh, no, man, I just, just wanted to keep my hood up and keep myself to myself, man. It's good on here. And, then, and he says, look, I've been doing this since the 80s, man. Nothing can go wrong. It's like, nobody's ever go right. All you do is you just pick the thing out. It's fine. Pick me a bit of paper out. It's cool. It's like, well, that's, that sounds all right then. I, I guess I don't need to say anything. I just picked a bit of paper out. And then when I got out there, I, I picked a bit of paper out and there was another one stuck to it and I gave him two. And he looked at it and he, 
I looked at it and I could see he nearly fainted, man. And he flung one back in. Maybe he shouldn't say this, but he flung, he flung <laughs> one of the numbers back in. And he just looked at me like, you fucking idiot. It's like, I've been doing this since the fucking 80s and I told you nobody's ever fucked this up. When you up. I was just like, kind of, it was just a look, man. And uh, so was somebody. Tony Hamilton? Somebody, I can't remember who the guy was, but the guy was nice, not, but like, he, he gave me that. Nobody came down to claim the, the money. And I was like, wait a minute here. How much did he get? It's like, t- is it 10, 10 grand? 10 grand, Nine. right? And I was like, I was waiting for the person to like, so no need to, and I was laughing. 10 grand? This is a part kid. It's like, who's no kid? Who's thinking, I'll just no bother, but I, I need to just shoot away. I'll get it later. It's like, 10 grand here? Uh-huh. No, he's a and he's like, ah, no, 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 this happens all the time. I was like, how's that? And he's like, it's just pe- guys don't want their wife, you know, they don't want their pals, you know, so they just don't say anything. And then they'll come back down later, but they'll get us 10 grand. They always come eventually. Aye. <laughs> uh, see, I, I was going to say that happens all the time. That's, that's, that's probably the real reason, because I was going to say the two pushed at the game, even realise that they've won it, but definitely. I've definitely wondered. It's about their wife and their fucking pals wanting a tap into it. That's, that's why they're terrible, that. That's fucking terrible. Not so much the wife thing, but the pals thing. The pals, aye. Sorry, <laughs> came in for the wife, but no, the pals, that's right, man. No getting, so a, I've just, no getting around, no buying a tap. I just won uh, 10 grand, I'm not getting the beers in at all, lad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, fucking shocking. But no, that's that's one of the points that like, people talk. I mean, we're, me and Matt are both Celtic fans, and that, that's quite a lot of sort of Celtic Twitter. They go, there's a conspiracy theory that's gone about that the Paradise Windfall draws a load of shite and that it's all rigged. So no, I'm going to make like, that no, into a small I, clip. <laughs> put it can't be, can't be, can't be rigged if I was like, no, it's not. No, I mean, you're in good company with the Windfall draws. Well, my favourite was Jim Bone. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wee bit like surprised that so little prep goes into it. I would have expected that if somebody was being like, did come and do the Windfall draw, they'd be like, a bit of notice, a ticket for the VIP area, like a pure posh pie and stuff like that, like a pint of lager at half time, but they're just like pure, who's out there? Who's out there? There's a guy who passed I know, I don't know if somebody who I've been gone with, I don't know if they've said that was it, but it must have been somebody else who was supposed to do it, um, and then, but I, I, was, I, I was on the pitch before the game, and... This is why I, I was thinking of this, because we're not talking about the way like the psychology and music how it's different and all that. I party thistle we were playing, I think, that day. I party thistle was. And uh, the assistant manager, Scott McKenzie, or the, I, the assistant manager, I, um, at the time, uh, he was my pal for Falkirk. And um, so he was doing the warm-up with thistle, but when I was talking to him, he was talking about how different that is. You know? You know how different it is to when I was playing or whatever. Because uh, you don't really know, but when you actually stop playing, you don't. You, I, I, I couldn't really tell you what exactly it's like, but um, through what I hear, but it's a lot different. And um, aye, it's just different. But then again, my basis in most jobs and all that, or most places mm-hmm. will be maybe a bit more civilized. I don't know. Aye, I think PFA does. Uh, some great work and I think when you were talking about being a, a young guy fresh out of school two days into a dressing room full of professionals that are all new looking at their shoulder at you because you've taken one of their places like and then you having the issues with that anger that you said you had like, that seems to me like something that would have been 
the 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 textbook definition of you know an additional bit of support that was needed for a young guy, and I, I do think that is something that is more prevalent in the game now. Ah, yeah, as as it's like, but then it's just like, it's just, you don't really you think as when you're a young boy, you don't really realise a lot of reasons for things. You don't know that guys that are like twice your age, you don't know that they're mentally ill. You don't know that they're fucked up. You yeah. just think that whatever they're saying to you is true. You know what I mean? You're a loser. You're you're shit. You're the worst football player. And you just you, a part of me was always a wee bit cocky, but or a wee bit like I don't know where I got that from. A part of me always, when people would be like, was a part of me always looked down on them. You know what I mean? I think it made them even worse. But um, but there was a few of the guys that was uh, characters that I that I was really really lucky that I got to meet. You know what I mean? Um, some players like Derek Ferguson. Um, he was just, he was, I did, he was a really kind guy, so he was. Uh, the ex-Rangers player, mm-hmm. Derek Ferguson. He was, a, he was one of the guys that was different for the other players. He was, he was like kind and it's funny because one day, we're in a, I think it was the semi-final of the Scottish Cup against Hearts. And uh, so we were like uh, away at some golf course, staying for the night or something like that before the game. And um, I remember sports team was doing like the interviews with the players and then they were interviewing him. So they were going in the players kind of thing. And um, I was a young boy in the squad. I'm sitting back just watching all kind of thing. And, and then I've heard these guys, now the guys are like trying to speak in a way that people are going to understand and all that. And, and, uh, and then he came to Fergie and he was just like pure place region. He was just like, and, and I remember all the guys looking at Fergie and being about like, like, kind of, most niggling, like, like, laughing at him, but they were, I think they were just a bit like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, he's no, he's just, this is what it is, pure confidence. Uh, he's, he's no modulated himself because uh, there's a camera in uh, front of him. Uh, and I uh, he just looked pure, like, comfortable, you know what I mean? And confident in that, and then, and I remember thinking, wow. And then when I think to, when I think to, when I first started singing, and then when I have thought about Fergie, you know what I mean? I think back to that. And I don't know if there's, uh, in some ways, they're the things that probably do uh, affect you when you're younger in a way that probably does influence where you go. You know what I mean? If I wouldn't have seen guys at 30 doing that. I'd be know. assured within but, themselves. Well, maybe I'd be singing, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Aye, because somewhere that will go in there somewhere. And then you pick up. Fergie was the only guy, I know. He was the only guy to like, bring your guitar in. He, he won't even, I don't he won't even remember that sort of thing. But it was about that time I started playing guitar. So right. it'd be like, here, like, Jimmy, you didn't hear this. This kid's playing the fucking guitar. This kid here. And that guy be like, you fucking play the guitar? Yeah, Tony, come in. This guy's playing the fucking guitar. And then you'd have all these fucking guys around you, man. You'd just be like, no, like, fuck, try this. Is like, you, you'll know if you don't aspire to have something pure, some pure plastic bulb and some shitty, shitty cheap sports motor, then you, you, and you play golf and all, then you must be like kind of weird, but fair to he came in amongst everybody and sort of a your party, the bros. Maybe with fuck Elgie, right? Uh, so when he walked between everybody, he's like, you play the guitar? 
That's fucking brilliant, man. That's brilliant. Bring it in. Bring it in. We'll get a bottle of wine. We'll go to the park. But what can you play? Can you play Wonderwall and all that? Aye. That's amazing, man. Um, it's all these wee hyenas that are around 30 then, or just feel quiet and drink. Because he says it's all right. You know what I mean? Hi, uh, so in the dressing room, man. So I, I always love Fergie for that. Always. He won't know this. He's Fer- Derry Ferguson. I've, never, I've not seen him since. Since he so he won't even He's been doing a lot of media, Derek Ferguson, and I think since he started doing a lot of the media, people have got an appreciation for just how nice a guy he is. I think like him and Barry, they've got a bit of a reputation, especially amongst like, sort of Celtic fans as well. It's like, oh, don't don't like them, don't like they mm-hmm. too, or whatever like that. And since he's actually started doing things like Open Goal and doing podcasts and stuff, they're like, he's a fucking cracking guy. And also, he doesn't give a shit. Like football oh, players don't really. They don't care about Celtic Rangers any yeah, of that sort was, of nonsense. Yeah, I remember one day in training, it was like, uh, Totten must have said something to uh, Derek. And he just turned around, he was just like, who the fuck are you talking to, you fucking prick? I fucking where are you? And, and Totten was just like, fuck. And they, they did done that, man. They did on that. I did that. Right. I would never, I, I would never, never have even thought about it, man. And I, and I, I wouldn't have minded. I remember getting into fights with a lot of players. When they, when they were they were older and all that, and I just couldn't walk away. If somebody would do something, I just had to. I was just out of control. You know what I mean? Mm. I that might be the actual that. effect. They're like that thing we were talking about earlier, like the pure hyper violence when you're grown up. That's the type of thing. Ah, that probably can, that's what you. That's you know. What you mean? know. And some some, some 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 most of the time I wouldn't give a fuck about it either. I, I would have done, done the same thing again. Um. But because I was like, I remember this one time, but I did regret it. Like, um, one of the guys was a, was a, he was a dead nice guy as well. There was only a, there was only a long few guys that were nice. See everybody else, man, they were just, they were just, it was just, I don't know, they were just quite, uh, quite bullies, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I just couldn't go it, man, you know what I mean? But, uh, but I, so there was one day taken, we passed away. David Taken. Uh-huh. Like he was a nice he was, he was, a, he was such a lovely guy, man. Um and it was just because I was in that mode I, I remember one day he let like we get tangled up or something and I just swung about at him. And he was just like, I'll fucking bet your legs if you ever do that again. And that was the one time where I just right away I was just like and he would have he'd have killed me. He's a pure beast, so he was, but uh and uh, that was the one time where I just right away I just felt like James, what the fuck are you doing, man? So this guy's amazing, man. He's always good to us and all that, but I just, I just couldn't help myself, you know what I mean? Just kidding. Well, I, I, just just I, just, I said sorry to him, man. And he was like, ah, it's all right, sorry, can I? But, um, but Fergie was some player as well. Uh, he's, he, was, he was amazing. But then, uh, Barry, Barry actually played against Rangers in a pre-season game. Hmm. Barry won't remember this either, but... Um, but we played against Rangers, I think, uh, after the game. Uh, Barry must have been looking for, for Derek in the hallway or something like that. So and I, um, I took um, I took Barry to get Derek. You know what I mean? Wherever Derek was, you know what I mean. So I, I, I have met him before briefly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Barry, I'm a bit too. I think it's weird that how people can get a wee bit like um, it's weird how sometimes you think you've got a perception of somebody's being a certain. You know, it's just the way it is in life, I guess. And, and in some Aye. ways, you can just get different people in different moods and all that. You know what I mean? I know I've been like myself loads of times, you know what I mean? But 
experience. Don't you forget how much it's within perception is like skewing so much it as well. Like you, as you say, you see the guys who are now pundits on either side of the football and dividing Glasgow, and you come to it with a certain level of your own perception. But then, if you actually listen to what folks say a lot of the time, they are nine times out of ten sound. You know, what I, mean? I know, I know people, people, man, it's like and. Whether it be a Celtic or Rangers and all that, I think that, you know what I mean? Some of the, the Rangers guys that have hung out with me and all that have been, they've just been dead funny or nice and all that. And it's, it's, it's true, it's, it's, when you don't really know somebody, you, you, there's blanks and you fill these the, the spaces in with, you, with your own like, hang ups. No, you're in that. Your own fears, sure. you, just, you just fill it all up, man. Instead of assuming, oh, they're probably really. Kind of they're nice and all that, or they'll kill people. You just put in real negative shit. Especially with, blue, especially with the blue strips. <laughs> cool. So it sounds as though, like, obviously, you were saying you were just sort of picking up guitars as you went into the sort of football side of things. Was there a point at which where you felt like the, the sort of music side of things was starting to sort of take over for the football in your life? I pretty much when I first signed professional, really, I think. You know what I mean? It's kind of, <laughs> like, aye, just bad time or whatever, good time or whatever. <laughs> um, aye, it was just one of the things. It was just, I think I'd be sitting in a car park or whatever before I get into football, and I'd be waiting for the song to finish and all that. And before I get into training, I'd need to wait on the song finishing that I was listening to. Probably not a good sign, you know what I mean? Um, but aye, that's. Pretty much when it happens, really, you know what I mean. Um, I think with football, music, it's like when you're doing like that, it's like you can't really kind of dip your toe in. You've got to, you've got to give yourself to it completely. You know what I mean? Um, mm. It just is the same. I think it was the same when when I was at Dumbarton and uh, the last football team that I played for, um, then the manager say don't come back, it's probably the best thing that um, could have happened as well. Right. If he wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have done that, then I'd have still been doing, like, you know, maybe writing an odd song or whatever, um, and then going to football or whatever. But when he'd done that, then it was just I had nothing else. I had nothing else to do, I had no job, you know what I mean? Nothing, so then that's when I wrote the band's first album, really. So. You know, could he, he, I could have, he could have done a favour there. At the time, I was like, thinking, what am I going to do now? You know what I mean? No money, mm-hmm. I've nothing. You know what I mean? I've no get money to have electricity or all that. And like, we sit on the guitar with no, 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 no power in the house. No, aye. You know what I mean? Um, but aye, it was probably the best thing could have happened in a way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's pretty cool in a sense. <clears throat> Ah, it's cool, so, it's cool, it's romantic for you, it's romantic, it's like, you know what I mean, it's like, it's the way you want the guy in the band to be, but when you're, when you're doing you're it. You're loving it. I, do you know what, I mean, I was loving it, it's, it's, you don't, it's, again, you don't really think, it, you don't really think it being that bad, you, you, you think, there's always a constant worry about, like, a constant feel somewhere that it's like, you know what I mean, uh, about having money to get food to eat and all that, or that's always there, but you're just to that mm-hmm. being there. So yeah, I don't really know if you really think about it as being, uh, maybe I just knew this was the way it was, it was supposed to be, because I think at one point, 
I went to the job centre and I was going to like kind of every couple of weeks then they would give if you get this, if you get a job yet, you you looking for a job or whatever. And at this point, I just thought I should just maybe try and get a job. You know what I mean? Because I hate getting, like I hate being in money. It's hard to go in or that. And at this point, I was just like, you know what I mean? I need to do something. And um, and I went up to my mum's house and um. At this application form for a driving job, and um, and I was like, I'm just going to try and get this job, I think. And um, and my ma was just like, don't, don't get the job. I was just like, but I, I hate getting money off you know. She was like, James, don't get that job. She's like, the songs that you write, people are going to know them someday. And um, and that application form for the job, my sister put it in a frame somewhere. It's like James Allen driving job and all that. Because on the back of it, Daddy's Gone. There's all the lyrics for it. For the song Daddy's Gone. Aye. That's so, awesome. I know. It, it's funny how things can be in time. It can be like, uh, I don't know, just quite magical things like that. You're like, wow, man, how did that, how did that happen? Like? But then it was, I guess it was my mother, it was, just, it was that was the important part, you know what I mean? Absolutely, man. That's like the opposite of what the majority of people that end up making it in the arts tell you. It would always be their mom and dad going, no, nah, you need to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it sounds like your mom's really, really had a belief in you. Like, as a, a, was she listening to the songs, obviously, were you staying at the, the time? Was she hearing the songs that you were writing? I don't, I don't know. Um, no, because I was, I was at the time I was staying in a house. Um, I'd never really stay basically at the time, so it was like um, it was just sort of some days house, and it was like they were only staying in it. It was not in the industry house; it was just a wee tiny, tiny house. So I wasn't even supposed to be there. And then it was like um, you know, it was my sister was a social worker at the time, a mm-hmm. drugs addiction social worker. And um, that's how I met Geraldine. I met her through Denise. And um, so Denise uh, was started, she just basically said, so do you get a gig with your band? And I was like, no, no. She was like, do you want me to help? I'll get you a gig. And I was like, aye, aye, cool. And then that's how she started managing the band. So then when she started managing the band, she wanted to give me her time yet, kind of thing. So she went part-time with social work. And she moved into that flat that I was in, this wee tiny, tiny house. And um, and what, what Wani's would be, Wani's slept on the couch, another one would be in the room, and all that. And it was like, I did, again, I didn't really think it any at the time. I just thought this was the way it was meant to be. Um, but I told my mum wouldn't have, I, I don't think she was, she was, she'd heard the odd song or whatever, you know what I mean? That I'd, but I, I was always too shy to like sing, you know that, and like somebody would ask me to sing a song, I would never, never do. Um, but I, so that's when that kind of came about. Really, with these songs, it was about that time when they fit body job, don't get the job, keep Aye. doing that, and then that's how it's so. It's but you need all these wee things probably to happen in your life, and I think that if one of these wee things weren't there. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's hard to imagine it. Um, anybody having been aware that I existed. You know what I mean? Uh, if my sister didn't, my sister didn't come in to like manage. I mean, she'd never managed before. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
But she just thought, well, I think I'm going to manage. I'm going to manage this. And it's like, we've not really got any proof as to why this should work. There's no, like, we're looking at a sheet of paper and we're walking it out. Like, on paper, it's, it's not what it's not, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? It's a guy singing like in Glaswegian about this and that. Daddy gone. It's like there wasn't like a point of reference that we could say. Well, it worked for them, kind of thing. So it's going to work for us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just based, but at the same time, at the same time, I, I just, I just knew it was going to. It was. I just, I just, I just thought that that it was going to work out. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's just because I'm a bit of a dreamer and like I imagined it working like that. But I mean, when we were playing, when we've been playing at Wembley Stadium or something, it was a part of me that just wasn't surprised. You know what I mean? But I don't know if that's because it was familiar to me because it was the way I imagined it being. You know what I mean? So then when it did that, I was just like, well, I, I, I'm familiar with this because that's the way I can imagine it. I think uh, when people, there's a lot of sort of wishy washy and a lot of sort of very much like new age stuff about purpose and they talk about like when you're when you're in your purpose but I think see when you find something like that and you know in your bones that this is something that you want to do I, I think that it is easier but there's a lot of people out there that force themselves to do these things do you know what I mean they think I want to be in a band I want to be a musician and they sort of force themselves into that sort of area whereas with you it sounded like it just you, you do get this sort of thing a lot of sort of very successful songwriters and uh, musicians will tell you that it just felt right and I didn't doubt it and it just happened in front of me and, and like you're saying you just I wasn't surprised uh, um, you know I what I mean? that's your right because it's like you don't it's hard to measure in music or art with any art it's hard to measure if it's good or bad you know what I mean but I think that you can't deny if something feels just, you know, if you meet, if, it, if, you're, if you meet a lassie or if you're, if it's a friendship you've got with somebody, it's your best pal. You, you, there's certain things that nobody can um, tell you any different. It's just how you feel about it. And when we first started practicing, um, when we play like maybe a song like Daddy's Gone, you know, and nobody had ever heard it or whatever, then, I mean, I could feel it, the air moving in the room in a weird way that it was like, even if it was something that I didn't want to really sing about or it wasn't really a choice, it was just basically, this is a vehicle that you're going to use uh, to mirror a lot of your personality and reflect that uh, outwards, you know what I mean? And, um, and this is how you're going to do it. And you don't really know why you're going to do it. You're, there's no really kind of, it's, it's mad in a way, but it just feels like, um, it just feels right. You know what I mean? And it feels more right mm -hmm. than anything else does. You know, mm -hmm. so like, it's like everything's confusion, confusion and hearts. It's like, you don't really know what's happening. Then when you put the guitar on and you're in that room and that, the sound happens, then all that confusion goes away, you know? Or something, and I don't know why that is. And when it's like that, and even if, even if somebody's to say, "Yeah, that won't work," or whatever, that's like it's that's like silence, like floating by you. You know what I mean? Yeah, white noise, just absolute aye, white aye, noise. Aye. Did you coin the the band name? Did you come up with the band name? Aye. 
you literally coined a phrase that I, I remember at that time that everybody when your band came out no, I knew because we were at me and Matt were about the music scene, like I said, I played in bands, so I knew that you were kicking about just before it actually went like mega with the album and stuff. And I remember at the time all the sort of hipsters in Glasgow were all saying, Oh, I'm heading into Las Vegas for a night out. You almost coined like a, a, a phrase for a night out in Glasgow. Um I don't know if you're aware of that, but that is Very something much. that at the time everybody just started using it. Um I it's like I just like the sound of it, like Right, so I there's no know, combination just, of Glasgow and Las Vegas. You're no like, no, no, not really. I mean, that, uh-huh. I like Las Vegas. I'm not like, I hate gambling. That, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like the beach boys don't stuff in it. Like, Aye, don't like stuff in it. It's probably, but uh, we'll just dispel in there. That's all the show people. There's certain words that I don't like the sound of them. Then there's other words that I just like to say. I just like when I said it, it just sounded nice. Like you know what I mean? Like Tina Turner. Something I like the sound of that, but Tina Turner's took, so I need to get something different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, man. So, what was it like at the start? Like, did you do? I mean, you were when you came out, it was at that sort of weird time where the internet hadn't quite took fully grip of the music scene, but the Arctic Monkeys had just came before it who had managed to date through things like MySpace. We were in the, the very beginnings, but the Jews, I mean, my memory of you guys in that time was that you were always fucking gigging. These were constantly playing. Um, mm-hmm. If it was Barfly or whatever it was in Glasgow, the music scene was really pumping at that time as well. But did you go through like the old school building a following through gigs and touring? Or did you have like a sort of hybrid thing where people cottoned on online, but also were coming to the gigs? Um, I think it was... I just remember, I can't really remember, I remember playing like a few gigs that was like in like maybe wee bars in Glasgow and then it would be like, I think we were playing, at one point then we, we were playing a gig in uh, King Tuts and um, when we played the gig and somebody said, oh the gig sold it and I was just like, how did you sold it? Like, that's mad. And I think I even I thought it was for the other band that was playing or something. Aye, who else is on? Aye, and uh, and then people, uh, all these people were at the gig when we came into play and they were like singing the songs and they must have known them through rap used to put them on MySpace and I was just like, and I still am a bit like, do you know what I mean? Like, out of touch with, 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 with things and uh, I didn't even know that he'd put the songs on MySpace, you know what I mean? And uh, so I was just like, he was like, I I put the songs on MySpace and I was like, oh did you then? Aye. <laughs> my songs, mate. What are you doing with my songs? Aye, <laughs> so I think that's how people became aware of some of the songs. Then we, what happened was we played, then we went down to London, we played a, a gig. Um, we played like two gigs or something. And I remember um, one of the gigs I thought was terrible. It was like, we were at other place. It was like, you know, I mean, before you even hit a chord, it's like I kicked a bottle of beer, mm. and it's just pure like stages, just like 
a massive puddle right in the middle of the stage. I've got these shoes on, the balls in the bottom of them, so they're all beers leaking through my foot. I don't like wet socks, man. I don't like that. Um, if I see somebody, if I see somebody, like say if I see my wee lassie, she's walking in the house with her socks on, right, and she walks into the, 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 the bathroom, and somebody says a shower, and there's like any water on the floor or anything like that. It's like I'm pure like, like pure slow motion running towards her. No. <laughs> and, she, and, and, and she's just like, what is it? And I'm like. Look, it's wet. And she's like, that's so. Don't care. I'm like, you don't care? But if your socks get wet. Anyhow. So <laughs> I yeah. I get pure a one wet fit during the gig and that. And then after the gig I came off and it was like uh, Columbia and Sony. They were they came to see the band and they were just like, ah, just they were just blown away and all that and they were like and I was like, You got to sign us after that? Things these guys don't know anything, man. But that was terrible. Uh, so, but and then after that, it was it was like uh, the NME was writing things about the band, and and I think that then it was just made of well, everybody else sort of all like want to sign the band and take us out for like then on all that. And, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, did feel like when you popped onto the scene there was like quite a lot of, as you say, quite a lot of hype around you to, in, in the early days. But then it seems like it took a bit of time to actually put like the debut album together. What was what was like the process like for you know uh, getting in and yeah. writing for so long? Uh, well we 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 signed, I think it was if I remember rightly, rap's better with these things with dates not, but I think say it was like January time, I think, when we signed. And then it was actually quite, I mean, to January, then I think we went to New York to record the first album. So we recorded that in Brooklyn. And um, so we went to January. We were in New York for about March, I think. I remember it was like St. Patrick's Day when we were there. So we went to St. Paddy's Day. When's that? Is that March or something? Aye, mid-March, aye. Is it? Um, so right, it must have been then. So then for March, <laughs> Then you've probably you recorded that I think the first single was Geraldine. And um we were on like the Jules Holland programme, maybe in the summer, before the album came out or whatever. And then the album was September. So I guess I I guess when you look at it for the side I would maybe seem like it would it'd be a, a while longer, but I just went to record it and all that, you know what I mean? Um, was it like going out to New York to record your album? Like a boy for fucking Dumarnock kicking up in Brooklyn and fucking a major record label? I've never been to America before, Matt. So it was just, it was all just like quite, quite your, your head would be spinning, you know what I mean? It'd just be like, but it would be, it'd be amazing though. It was, it felt amazing and it felt like, it felt like, um, you know what I mean? Like it was always supposed to be like that. You know what I mean? I always thought that oh, this was what it was meant to be, and um, and I was I was dead lucky. But you know, I was just there's a lot of things that I was just it was just luck. You know what I mean? And but uh, but it was it was just pure exciting, man. You know what I mean? And then you know just when you start to hear the music starting to work out, and when it's coming out the speakers, like because. Although you're in New York, not but, the, the, but there's always that thing. It's just like it's like the door's always left open, where you're just like until the thing's done, until it's mastered and it's done, it feels like it's hanging together with a thread or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
you can have like the best song or the I've heard a lot of songs before in the past that have been good but it just never worked out on the record or whatever or, and then until and because we'd recorded the songs like the demos already people people liked them then I think there was even more pressure on like the not even just us but the record label and all that and the record label would just be like um, freaking out you know what I mean like because they had to that had to work it had to work for them with the, with the deal that they gave us and with the hype that was in the band. You, so you can kind of feel that. You can feel that nervousness, man. Yeah, everybody went about you. And, mm. You know what I mean? And I don't know, part of me was probably just quite naive and just quite just oblivious to some of the pitfalls anyhow, which is probably a good thing, you know? And then there was mm. times, like, even with the artwork and all that, well... I had to be quite like a pain in the ass about it, you know what I mean? I was a pain in the ass about the artwork, I was a pain in the ass about the sound being right and all that. And I was, I must have just been like, you know, like I was in a, a conference call when, I, when we first got to New York, they'd suggested artwork for the album. And um, and I'd already decided that I, I was wanting to have Starry Night, the Van Gogh um, painting. I was just wanting to have that basically. And then and I was thinking it'd be quite good to have the band's name on it and I don't like to put that on his painting, so like anyhow, so just and we were going down to Master Geraldine um and like Hell's Kitchen somewhere. So we had the we were walking with the actual tape, uh, the recording tape, you know what mm. I mean? That's how it wasn't like a name, it wasn't it wasn't like a, 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 a real real Aye. So we're getting cutting through Hell's Kitchen with this real real and um and I'd had this big argument with the record label. It was like a conference call with five people. And they were saying it was this woman that worked at the label and she was just fucking vicious, man. And she was just like, right, here's the artwork. What do you want? What one do you want? And I was like, none of them. She's like, what? Do you mean none of them? I was like, I don't want any of these. And she was just like, can you tell me what's wrong with them? And so my sister and all these people, my sister manages, she's all these people are in the phone call and I was just like, I just thought pure, I was just like, listen, it's fucking terrible. I was like, my kid had done better than that. It's it's it's, it's terrible. It's, I don't want anything to do with that artwork. And it was just pure silence, man. And then I think that just made people just like, I fucking hate that guy. But I was just like, you need to understand that I don't want normal, I don't want what you put and you eat your other bands. I don't want that. Uh, that's mm. not what I want. That's not why I was. That's not the mentality I joined a band with. You're, I'm a different animal. And I'm probably an animal that you're probably not going to like, man. Because, because what makes it maybe a bit easier for you? The new. Later on, it won't make it easy for you, but because it's not going to be very good, I'll make it easy for you. You think I'm making it hard for you? But if you just follow the the way that I'm looking at it there's more chance that it's going to make it easier for you later on because it's going to be really good. And then it's got to be something more true than just being something that's pure, that somebody sent something that doesn't even went about the band. It could fit for like five different bands. Yeah, some yeah. plastic thing, you know what I mean? So so we'd had this big argument and then we were going down with real tapes through Hell's Kitchen and there was these two guys cutting across us with us massive massive it was like a sheet of glass or something the way two guys would carry a sheet of glass and we're walking and we just stop like you know what i mean to let them pass and these guys are shuffling by us they look starry night and then it's not the starry night 
it'll be somebody's got a print or somebody's got a but this big massive starry night because on, that's another thing in the phone call she says well what do you suggest then and I was just like uh, starry night thank god and she was like oh that's what you want for the front cover we'll never be able to get that mm. How are we going to get the license to use the Van Gogh painting? And I don't know. The thing is, I don't really know anything about the business, but I don't reject. And it's the public domain. So I say, it's the public domain, like, I know about the business. She must think, I'm fucking up, I'm on it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, so she was like, "Ah, no, it's not. I was like, it is. No, it's not. She was pure adamant. Later on, she found out it was. And she says, I tell James that um, it is in the public domain. Then you get a proper fucking... A proper James, you were right. You were right. <laughs> and I, and I, I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't satisfied with my sister passing on to me. But anyhow, when I left that phone call and we were going to Master Geraldine, and these guys all that, it was the same day. I just thought, what the fuck, man? See, man, he was here right now, man, he would be like, it's the sign. Aye, for sure. That's so fucking strange. She rabs my, my loves, shit like that, man. Do you know what I mean? She says that about anything, but it's a sign. It could be anything, you know what I mean? But right. I think that chances are that lie. Sad upon 